Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. Welcome back to Series 8 of Helpful Social Work. I'm Jerry, And I'm Jo. For Series 8, we've been talking about sustainable social work. Um, that's in terms of how we look after ourselves, how we keep going and how we thrive in this vital work. We've been drawing on evidence of what helps social workers, and this has included the Working Conditions Toolkit from the British Association of Social Work. Last month, we talked about professional development, um, and it was really it was lovely. We had the chance to talk about the joy of learning and how we can be supported to learn through our whole career. Um, and with that in mind, we're really keen to do podcasts with guests, social workers who want to talk about what helpful social work means to them. Please get in touch if you want to do this. And I'd particularly encourage any of our overseas listeners to think about this as well. You know, you can reach us through our website, which is www.helpfulsocialwork.com. So this episode, we're going to be talking about peer support. Uh, I think we did kind of consider trying to do things in in order of not exactly of importance but really trying to go for the big things to start with and peer support is so central to sustainable Mm. social work and we usually start with a few definitions so I had a look at what peer means Um, it's a person who has equal standing with another or with others and it's from the Latin par which means equal so it's a very direct word and it's nice, actually, because we do talk about equality and equity in social work a lot. So it makes sense that peer support is part of that. And then support itself means to bear or hold up or to keep from weakening. And that's also from two really nice roots in Latin, sub and portare, which is under and to carry. So meaning to carry from below. So for me, it has a sort of sense of holding someone up in a in a swimming pool or in a lake or something, you know, kind of keeping them above above the surface so this is really about having time with people who kind of get social work and get you you know they're they're equal in the sense of their understanding and their um that exchange model of knowledge something reciprocal to offer us and someone who really keeps us buoyant and holds us up and in that sense it's really a lot like co-production and the principles of co-production which I think we've talked about before um, that were really nicely set out by the Social Care Institute of Excellence about having this idea that everyone's got something to offer and everyone gets something back and everyone benefits by including others and increasing the kind of diversity of experience and expertise so that idea of equals and equity and holding each other up I think is really nice fit with co-production. Yeah, and it's, um, I really like these side principles. They're, they're nice, aren't they? Um, that idea of everyone gets something back, and I think that's that's certainly true, and it's something that um, we've experienced um, with our work with the Professional Support Service, um, and the British Association of Social Work um, developed a peer support service during COVID, and um, I've been involved in, in that work. And the aim to support social workers who were still out there working with people during the pandemic and they were trying to find creative ways to do their own work, keep themselves and others safe, deal with the pandemic shock like we all were. And so um, BASWA um, got together a group of social workers who volunteered to act um, with their peers 
and social workers could access three free sessions um, via Teams. So um, it was a it could they could access it from anywhere in the in the it started off in England but moved right across the UK. And the service is now three years old and it's part of the core. British Association of Social Work offering, and it's really expanded to offer support to social workers and student social workers for any issues or topics they see fit to bring to the sessions. And some of the reasons that social workers seek coaching include things like, well, the impact of COVID on life and work, particularly initially, but also the impact of personal life and health on the work role or the impact of the work role on personal life and health, um, yeah, requests for career planning, the need to support with the demands of the role, the need for ma for um, managing change or turbulence in organisations they were working in, the need to gain confidence or skills in the work role, um, process the experience of being bullied, bullied or racially targeted. And this came out um, quite strikingly, actually, across the three years, that issue, and the need to the need for support to deal with the emotional toxicity of work. And so there was a lot of things that the um, volunteer coaches were dealing with with their peers. And what all of these social workers had in common was that willingness to kind of be proactive and to really reach out for help and assistance. And um, social work sometimes... I think has has is has been seen as a profession that's been reluctant to engage with support services. You hear stories from you know um, HR and and um, wellness places that are inside the workplace that you know people aren't aren't using the services. But I think the PSS really demonstrated that an independent service with peers who understood the unique world of social work. Um, and, and being focused on self-determination and wellness really resonated with social workers. And one of the, the um, common elements that kept coming out was that idea that there was peer support and that the, the fact that they were talking to a peer was so important for them. And I guess it um, offered a kind of – it's almost like it gives you a shorthand, doesn't it? You go and you talk to someone – um, who's in the social work world or as one of our coaches said, swimming in the same water. And yeah. um, there's this idea that there's lots you don't need to over-explain so you can perhaps get to the heart of the matter. But it, but for that reason, the fact that it's a peer service has, has made it particularly um, strong, I think. It's I been lovely if, to watch yeah. it working. I wonder if that overcomes some of the hesitancy and you know, the emotional barriers to asking for help as well. That sense mm. that you know, you're, you are equal and you've got shared experiences. And also I think nobody's – because it's independent and it's with a peer, nobody has any other agenda except to listen to you. Um, so I think that that was, that was very important as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think there is a really strong link between this area of peer support and what we were talking about last podcast around professional development. So we did a series a few a few years back on the professional capabilities framework we did. and the different domains. Yeah. And there's a, two domains that sometimes are kind of difficult for people to wrap their heads around, around um, professionalism and professional leadership and this idea of how you act with integrity and how you support others 
contact with integrity. That's kind of how I, I see it. Um, professionalism is really about how you model and help others um, through showing your excellent practice. And that includes developing capabilities and doing professional development. Um, but also, interestingly, includes establishing a network of colleagues from whom to seek advice and expertise. So there's a sense of kind of holding ourselves as professionals, which includes seeking support. Um, so not just support for learning, although that will be a big part of it, but support for maintaining professionalism. Mm. Um, and then professional leadership has the kind of other side of that, which is contributing to um, peer support, social work forums, involvement in professional organisations and kind of meetings to connect with people. So if we're being professional as social workers, we're seeking support. If we're offering professional leadership, we're developing professional leadership, we're offering support. So we need to be doing both things. And I think all the people that I've seen as role models in social work and kind of really admired have been doing both. You know, they really have been clearly supportive people and offering that support, but they've also been seeking it and really drawing from others and learning from others. Um, and that obviously fits back to our code of ethics, uh, which talks about uh, as part of integrity, you know, using professional supervision and peer support, contributing to the improvement of professional practice and taking responsibility for the professional development of others. Um, and I, th I see that as a really positive thing. I think social workers sometimes can get overwhelmed by this idea of responsibility and accountability. Um, but it's shared, isn't it? It's it's all about us all contributing to each other's professional development and professionalism. Um, and that shared endeavour makes it much less stressful, I think, um, which is why people really enjoy peer forums and you know, why Baswa, for example, has got branches and networks and, you know, um, both kind of geographical and specialist based so that people can get together and really share in that endeavour of being professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it makes me also think of the fact that, you know, if you're a, a social worker in England, um, one of the things that Social Work England has done is encouraged, you know, in, is encouraging peer um, reflection through the requirement now for us to actually evidence um, one piece of our learning that we've that we've um, done a peer reflection with. So I think that there's a real drive there, a real acknowledgement of how important um, peer reflection is for our for our um, continuous development and learning. It's the insights because because you, you take learning, you can go to a learning event. But I often find it's the comments or the reflections that my peers make on the learning, the sense they're making of it in their practice, which is really helpful to me. So, um, you know, there can be the content and the speaker and all of that, and that can be really inspirational and exciting and illuminating. And then you talk about it with a peer and they start to talk about how they've used it in practice or how they think about it from a practice perspective. And it just kind of um, lines everything up in your head very nicely, I think. 
um, which is which is what you're wanting, you know. And and peer support is is much more than that, isn't it? Because it's also about how we manage to work together effectively in these big organisations. The organisation has to be able to thrive and work well to deliver really good services to. Um, the people who need who need help from social workers. And so working conditions becomes, I think, really important. And part of working conditions is understanding how you're functioning with other people, with your peers. And um, the British Association of Social Work has done um, uh, research on working conditions for social workers in the UK and um, it's in their toolkit. We've talked about this a few times before but they found that a widespread sense of high reward amongst social workers came from peer support and that peer support was actually higher than for comparable professions and that peer support counted some of the impact from stress. And I know that there was also some work um, done by Carolyn Webb for research in practice and reflective supervision. And once again, peer support came out really highly there as a really important contributory factor. So I think that we rely on each other, um, particularly around emotional containment and managing the trauma from emotions. And when I, I think back um, about my peers over time, and I just don't think I'd be anywhere at all in my social work career without peer support, you know, right from my first supervisor when I was a student who was just amazing and she encouraged and she nurtured me so generously and she really gave me a sense of awe about the profession that I've carried through my work. Um, there, there were really key people in my workplaces who saw the good in my practice and encouraged me to be brave because I think, you know, particularly when you're doing something new, you can get really anxious about wanting to do it right it's that need to be writing that can really trip us up in social work and it takes a lot of courage to be authentic and to act with integrity instead and I don't think you can do that without having good peers around you to kind of just keep you on track um yeah, and I just, parallels there aren't there with that reassurance that social workers offer to you parents for example or to people who are caring you know to that they're doing an okay job you're doing okay you know just yeah. keep going that kind of thing it's I mean it's it's really vital to have some external validation yeah exactly and I think you're right Jerry about the parallel because if you're being held well by your peers and your management in your workplace then that allows you to hold parents or carers well and to allow them to be brave and to have courage to kind of keep sustaining things. Um, so, yeah, and I, I just think of all the opportunities I've been given in this country to do all sorts of amazing projects, you know, and I've just, yeah, it was lovely to sit here and think about all the people who've supported and inspired and really dared me to stretch beyond myself, you know, um, and now most days when I'm teaching social workers and I'm sitting there and I'm with my peers and I'm listening to their wisdom and generosity of practice and how insightful they are about the human condition and how thoughtful they can still be despite their busyness, mm. I find that really admirable when they can just stop and, and put everything down and go, okay, 
and be so reflective and 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 really you can see them reaching into themselves actually to bring their best their best work out it's lovely to watch yeah and you hear about the things that people are doing despite the context which is something we have to keep hanging on to because there's mm. really good practice going on even though i would say at the moment in the uk it's harder than it's ever been in my experience to be doing social work mm. and if you yeah you can get despondent can't you if but the it cut it gets cut through that despondency you kind of you cut through the despondency when you hear the way that people are supporting mm. each other and therefore supporting families and communities um I, the other thing i was thinking about for this podcast was the peer support um within services that's to say how um people who who use care and support services support each other um, or people who've had experience lived experience of social work and social care support each other and i had a look at some of the research about this and it's it's really evidenced as being a valuable model um, and i think there's a there's a really nice kind of role modeling that can happen where social workers who are supporting one another well and offering peer support can role model that to you know and encourage people to to seek that for themselves but also when we see really good examples of experts by experience supporting each mm. other i think it offers us a lot to learn from um there's a real insight from that and i think it's been such a strong element of self-organization and self-advocacy that there's really a lot that we can learn from as a, as a profession that sometimes doesn't really help each other or stand up for each other in the way that we could mm. um yeah and there was there was just one example that i had um, i just wanted to share just as it's an indicative example really um 2021 some research around peer support as a strategy to reduce self-stigma for marginalized children of parents with mental illness so this is actually a um aotearoa new zealand article by parkinson kettle and walker and one of the things that they found was that self self-stigma was reduced due to supportive peer relationships um and there was just sort of a couple of really nice quotes in here from those um young people who've got lived experience of, of their parents having mental health problems um, one of them saying it's just fun like we don't really need to talk about it too much we all know that each of our families have been through something and so we have a kind of I suppose sympathy is kind of the right word to use for each other kind of an unspoken thing um, someone else saying it's easier knowing that I don't have to hide anything and I don't have to act differently and someone else saying when you tell them what's happening at home they can give advice because they have experience with that and when i was reading those quotes i was just thinking that is what we get from each other is that we've got so much that we can learn from in this in this case these young people who've obviously taken this big leap of trusting each other and and gained so much from it um yeah it's really inspiring isn't it mm. and it's and it's exact it's as you say it, it once again it's a, it mirrors what's happening and also it also kind of um you know when you think about us as social workers and we're trying to support people it, it also promotes that argument for getting groups together of people to support themselves and it makes me remember way 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 back now um when i used to work in queensland in the disability services and the parent support group there the family support group was so strong and so articulate and they really got together and they made a real difference to the service through support and challenge 
but I'm sure for them, for a lot of them, it would have been this this idea of, um, you know, we have a kind of sympathy for each other, a kind of unspoken thing. I think there was there was definitely a feeling amongst them that they didn't have to explain everything, that there were things that were known that couldn't be known outside their group. And I think it's something that we we let slip because, again, there's so much pressure that is actually an incredibly important preventative value for money thing to be doing. It's Mm. really valuable for us as social workers to take the time for peer support. And it's really valuable to engender that for the people that we work with Um, and 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 to help it grow where it's growing already. Yeah, to recognise the power of it, really. Um, and the toolkit, once again, is is really helpful about how peer support can work. And we keep referring to the toolkit, I guess, because it's a published document and it's easy to download and it's easy to disseminate across your workplace to say, hey, here's, here's some ideas that have got some research behind them of things we could do to really improve our workplace. Um, and they talk about their just being able to ask peers for support, really think about your support network, whether you have regular and routine op- or, um, opportunities to ask each other for help and how you can learn with peers. And for me, I'm, I'm always interested in this because, of course, I, I teach my peers. I'm learning with peers all the time. Um, you know, it can be done in team meetings, in special interest groups, through action learning sets, sharing learning you've attended with each other. Um, and in workshops, you can just act really generously and share your knowledge with the group. You know, it's so crazy. good when someone says something, isn't it? <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's fantastic. And there's yeah. and and you know, often for me, of course, is because where I teach such a diverse range of people, some people might have years of experience in a topic that I only have a small amount of experience in. And if they combine their their knowledge with mine, you can get this really rich event. I had the other day, Jerry. I had this um, man say to me that he's he what I was talking about really reminded him of mindfulness and um, that he was building um, a mindfulness support group within the within the authority. And he wondered if he could the next morning before we started the teaching lead the group in a mindfulness activity. And I went, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And so we talked to the group and they all agreed. And the next morning we all sat around in this circle and he just led us um, in this mindfulness exercise before we started the learning. And honestly, it was so good and it really contributed to a really richly rewarding day. And I think the group felt very connected. So um, it was such a, a great thing for him to kind of come up and say, look, I do this thing. I think I could do this and I think it would really add in this way. And he did and it was fantastic. So, yeah, that kind of being really ready to kind of talk with people about what you know and what you can do in learning environments, fantastic. Yeah. And praising your peers, you know, it, it, noticing those small things, um, offering that feedback instantaneously. Wow, that was really good. Or I like the way you said that or I noticed this or even asking them, Praise can come from actually seeking someone out. Mm. I know you're really good at doing this. Could you help me with this with this bit of something? That's that's a sense of praise as well. It really builds someone's self confidence, um, and really thinking about building a sense of professional community. And for me, this is 
this is this is becoming more and more important to me as as I um come to the I guess the end of my social work career and I'm thinking what does it mean to be a social worker surely it means more than just the job I'm holding at the moment so how can I articulate and own the title of social worker and what does that allow me to do not what jobs can I have Mm-hmm. But what can I do as a social worker? How can I be as a social worker? Um, and so I think about, you know, think about when do we spend time with social workers, reflecting, socialising, building up a bit of a, a, a kind of culture or an identity. I'm, I'm really interested um, in the idea of building an identity. Um, what are we saying to each other when we talk about our careers? Because I think it can be easy to fall into a space where we talk about the struggles. Jerry's mentioned, and, and we, you know, it would be wrong of us not to mention the context of social work in the UK where, where we're doing this podcast, because it is truly very difficult. But if that's all we talk about, we don't talk about other options. And I'm especially interested in the opportunities we have to talk to social workers in other part of the world and see this as a global profession with more ways of practising than we're currently familiar with. And I was lucky enough to um, attend a meeting the other day with social workers from Hong Kong who'd been, who were overseas social workers qualified in Hong Kong. And it was so interesting to listen to their experience of practice Mm. Um, and to realise that they actually practice in a much more therapeutic and kind of community-based way um, than we do. And thinking about, well, what does that mean if we're going to have people coming over here to practice from other countries? How can we use their experience and wisdom to build what we have here in this country so it becomes richer and richer? Yeah, it is really wonderful, isn't it, to remember that we're so much more than the current way of doing social work in this particular place that I happen to be in, in this particular role that I happen to have, um, and that there's there's loads of scope. And social work is fantastic for pulling knowledge and ideas and creativity and inspiration and values from all over um, and using those in lots of really wonderful practical ways. Uh, just to go back to the toolkit um, and say a bit more about what's in there, there is a there is a really useful model for a team meeting um, because team meetings can, from my experience, and I do hear this from other people as well, can so often be either really business orientated or really problem orientated mm-hmm. um, without really harnessing the therapeutic potential of, of us all getting together for a moment um, out of our day. That's, that's what it's supposed to be, um, what, what's, what can be really kind of valuable within that. So there's a 10 point um, model for, for just having a conversation in a team meeting um, that can help people to draw on each other's peer support and really offer something. So starting off with how, how am I doing and how are we doing? Uh, that collective check-in, talking about what strengths and wisdom does each person bring to the team and how can this be shared. Moving on to then what are our collective strengths um, and then how can we value and support each other better. 
then you can think about what needs to change to make this happen um, for each of us, but also within the team and the organisation. Goes on to think about whether you might want to create something like a buddy system so that there's um, people that you can go to for help. And actually, the research that I'm doing around social work with older people, that's one of the things that's coming out really, really strongly um, looking at shadowing experienced and newly qualified social workers is the way that the um, everybody draws on people who are more experienced when they feel like they've got a gap in experience. So you can have a very experienced person who recognises that a newly qualified person has got a background in, say, care work and says, brilliant, I can seek insight from them. Yeah. Um, but also, as you'd expect, a lot of the time, the, the newly qualified social workers are looking to the experienced social workers and the generosity and um, kind of wisdom that gets shared around is absolutely fantastic. Um, so there's a lot of informal buddy systems, but actually you can really consciously talk about that. And again, it's, it's a chance to value that what's happening already and build on it. Um, they suggest then that you have, might have, want to have a conversation around signs of well-being. Uh, so what are we seeing and noticing about each other? What's an indicator that someone might be struggling? How do we pick up on that and act on that? Um, talking about options for team engagement and support. So actually, you know, is the team meeting the place where everyone can get the support that they need? Um, probably not. You'd expect there to be other things happening like supervision, like budgeting, like having cups of tea together, like, you know, cake on Fridays, whatever. Um, but just recognising that different things work for different people and having a conversation about how you might want to broaden that out and create a bit more diversity within those opportunities. <clears throat> and then, really crucially, how are we celebrating our successes? Um, and there's all sorts of things to celebrate on there. Um, you know, there's great pieces of work. There's also getting work done. <laughs> sometimes that's the celebration, sometimes showing up um, yeah. and people being just really pleased to see you at the start of the day is is a great way of, of recognising um, how people are contributing. Um, and you might also want to have a conversation about overall improvement of resilience and well-being as a kind of check-in at the end because what would hopefully happen as you've gone through that kind of process of thinking how are we doing what are we bringing to each other how can we support each other better and some of the options for that <clears throat> is that you'd end up actually with some kind of actions that you can take away but without it being a really action orientated conversation that's how I understand it it's it's really about checking in um, and acknowledging and seeing what's working well and thinking about how you can do differently rather than you know this is a business meeting and on the agenda is resilience that just isn't, <laughs> that's not don't do that um yeah and I, i'm sorry i've talked quite a lot here but one of the other things i found really helpful and i've used quite a lot in places that i've worked and also in um sessions and meetings and get-togethers and check-ins is the one-page profile which is created really to recognize um, who someone is to see them and to see their strengths and what and how to bring out those strengths and support them so it's used in, in care services a lot and it's got these um, three questions what people appreciate about me what's important to me and how to support me and I found that using that in buddy systems um, you know, to kind of talk through those things and for the person to acknowledge those things to you and for you to kind of pull them you recognize them in yourself is a really good way of of building relationships 
and helping people understand um, actually how they can help you. It's important to me to you know, not be interrupted right at the beginning of the day. Um, how you can support me is by you know, asking me to, to take a break at lunchtime because I won't do it otherwise. You know, those kind of things, very practical stuff, um, as well as that more profound thing about what, what people appreciate about you. Well, that must be why we work so well together, Jerry, because I always take a break for lunch. So obviously <laughs> I, um, I contribute to your well-being. In, well, that way. Yeah, in those sessions when we're doing um, whole day things together or have been in the past and I'll be wandering around muttering about, you know, how we're going to fit everything in in the afternoon because we've only done like a quarter of what we need to do in the morning. <laughs> and you're just handing me sandwiches. Yeah, it does work well. Right. <laughs> She's too nice to say it's because I've normally digressed terribly. It's because we've had a really important discussion, free flowing discussion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, I've got um, a little reflection for us to do, and I've also got a few little ideas about um, some different things that we can we can do to um, get a really rich peer network. Um, and the first one I've put down is join the International Federation of Social Work or at least, you know, look at their stuff every now and again, um, go onto their website and see what's happening in the world um, as well as what's happening on your patch. So that's kind of that idea of lifting your head and looking for your peers globally. Um, you know, contact a peer whose work you admire and ask to have some mentoring sessions. I, that has worked for me in the past. I have gone and knocked on the door of someone who I thought was an amazing social worker and said, I think you're an amazing social worker. I would really love it if you could give me half an hour every six weeks so that I could just ask you things and, and learn from you. And they said, yeah. And it was really, really beneficial you know, get external supervision from someone who works in a different area from you. Read more widely than just in your part of the profession. Attend conferences where different parts are showcased. Start a special interest group and gather like-minded people because similarities can also be comforting and helpful. Network. Um, offer to let new people shadow you in the workplace. I really like Jerry's example before of the fact that you can learn from students and newly qualified people and that people who come into our workplace have expertise in all sorts of different areas. So you can really benefit from people coming in. Um, just remembering people's birthdays and bothering to make a fuss, looking out for events in the workplace, team sports, hobbies, some offices have these mindfulness groups and other well-being activities. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the balance where work is a place you like to go and your profession is one you can be really proud of alongside a rich life of other interests and obsessions. And peers can really help work be a place that's really good to go to. They can let you know your best self and help you overcome those struggles that are present in the work and celebrate and recognize the successes. And I think what I started thinking of then was, okay, well, who are those people for me? Because that's what this, this kind of made me think about. And so I thought this was a little exercise um, that I got from the greater good toolkit, which I use. Those of you who've listened to this podcast will know I do my journal and I use this greater good toolkit to help me and this was one of their ones called feeling supported 
And the quote um, from Albert Schweischer was, um, we should all be thankful for people who rekindle the inner spirit, which I thought was lovely. Um, and it says, make a list of people you feel comfortable and secure with at work. Consider who is the person you like to spend most time with. Who is the person you want to talk to when you're worried about something? Who is the person you turn to when you're feeling down? Who is the person you know will always be there for you? Who is the person you want to share your successes with? And then once you've done that, it might be the same person or it might be different people, but write down the six positive qualities that are common to some or all of these people. And once again, it doesn't have to be six, I, I don't think. And then this is where the visualisation is. Imagine a situation where you're distressed or worried and one of these people comforted or helped you. And write down a brief description of how that made you feel. And hopefully once you've done that, you'll, you'll feel more motivated to go out and want to connect with your peers again. And if you can just keep that somewhere, then when you feel too busy to take the time to reach out to your peers or you feel that you shouldn't, just maybe have a look at this and, and think about how these people rekindle your inner spirit. Because I think, um, you know, in social work, you do want to shine brightly. You want your inner spirit to shine brightly. And, and that takes that takes a village. That takes lots of people to do that for you. Thank you.